this morning. As you know, in the uh, state of Iowa, we're starting to uh, open things up. So uh, for those of you that uh, can attend here physically, you should know that uh, we spent a week uh, taking a survey. We had about 101 people uh, respond to that survey. So Wednesday night, the board and I uh, met together with a plan to uh, open things back up and go forward. So uh, we have set uh, June 7th, Sunday, June 7th, as our first day back here in the building. So uh, if you're comfortable going out in public, we, um, we'd love to have you join us. If, if not, if you're still a little bit hesitant, that's fine. We don't have any problem with that. We're going to continue to have things online just as you're seeing it uh, this morning. Um, we do have a policy that we would like to kind of implement uh, in the course of the next couple of months. And so we're asking that if you're thinking about coming, that before you do, you ask yourself four questions. Um, the first question is, uh, are you showing any flu-like symptoms? If so, uh, we're going to ask that you continue just to watch online. Um, the second question is the idea of, um, in the last 14 days, have you had a fever of 100.4 or higher? And if the answer to that is yes, we would again, we would ask that instead of coming, you just continue to watch online. Um, the third question is, have you had any prolonged exposure uh, to anybody that's been diagnosed uh, positive with COVID-19? Uh, we're asking if, if the answer to that is yes, uh, again, that you uh, continue to watch online. And then our last question uh, that we want people to ask is the idea of, is there any medical or age-related issue um, that you think would um, keep you from, from being uh, around public or around other people? And if the answer to that is yes, again, we, we really want to encourage you to uh, continue to watch online rather than uh, in person. Uh, and part of that is for your safety um, as well as the safety of the other people that, uh, that'll be here. So um, that's what we're asking. We, we, we've changed a number of things with regards to how we're going to do things for the first couple of weeks and, and uh, for the summer. So uh, you can uh, read the email that we sent out earlier in the week, or you can uh, uh, watch the, the Facebook uh, update that I did this past week, and it'll give you a little more information. And when we meet together, we're going to have, basically we're going to start out with, uh, with a family meeting kind of thing, and we're just going to sit down and kind of explain to everybody where we're going um, and how we're going to go forward. So uh, for the first, at least this summer, we're just going to put everything on pause. So we're basically just going to have worship in here at 10 o'clock on Sunday and then online as well. So uh, we're not going to be doing Bible studies and, and Sunday school and things like that. We're going to encourage people to get together with small groups or in groups and fellowship and, and socialize. And we'll be saying more about that uh, as, we, uh, as we go forward. So if you're not on our email list, please get on that. Um, there's a link uh, that you can sign up for, and, and we'll put you on that list, and that'll give you the information that we put out um, usually two, three times a week. So thanks for joining us. We're going to continue online. As I said, the board and I have made a decision that as we go forward, um, we're going to continue uh, to do things online. The only thing that might change uh, probably in July or so is the time, and, and if we do, we're still looking at uh, instead of 10, we'll probably go 10.30, something like that. So it's not going to be a big change, but uh, we'll continue to have the messages um, online uh, each week uh, so that you can continue to follow our series. And then uh, when, when you're comfortable, you can feel free to join us uh, physically on site. And if, 
uh, you're outside of the area, we just, uh, we're going to continue to have it so you can continue to um, follow our journey um, as we walk through the scriptures. So uh, let's go ahead and have our prayer and we will get started for uh, this day. So Lord, thanks for the day. Uh, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know that you have given us this time and we are grateful for it. Um, Lord, for those that are sick, would you watch over, care for them? For those that are leading, would you give them insight and wisdom? Uh, Lord, for um, everyone, would you watch over and protect and guide us through all of this? Um, Lord, may we grow closer to you through it. May we grow closer to one another. May we learn to appreciate the many things that we have been given and uh, use it, Lord, to, uh, to grow us uh, into the people that you want us to be. Uh, Lord, for our missionaries this morning, I ask that you'd put a special hand upon them. Lord, I think of the, the Winklers in Africa as they struggle a little bit with malaria. And, uh, Lord, for the girls that you just continue to watch over and, and strengthen them. For the Looses as they try to lead um, not just their own family, but uh, all of the other uh, missionaries as well in that region. For uh, the Havlicek's and Havlicek's as their Lord, uh, back in the States, continue to um, guide them as well. And for uh, the Frankas in Canada as they, they prepare to go to uh, Serbia, the Slovakia, that Lord, you would just uh, guide and direct them in every step of the way as well. And Lord, for us today, um, Lord, we're about ready to open your word. We want to hear, uh, we want to learn, but more importantly, Lord, we need to apply it. So um, use it in our lives to... Um, Guide us throughout the week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. We're in a series on the life of Moses. And um, sometimes it's easy when you're, when, when you're reading these Bible stories to just kind of fly through them. And it's, I think one of the keys to learning and, and growing in, in Christ is to really stop and try to understand the circumstances and the situation. And to uh, put yourself, so to speak, in their place. And so this morning, as we get into Exodus 17, before we get there, I, I want to bring us up to date. Uh, and, and I want you to try to think about what the, the children of Israel have seen at this point. Uh, we've gone through the 10 plagues. Uh, we've watched God deliver the children of Israel from bondage, out of bondage into uh, the, the, the wilderness. Uh, we've watched as uh, they walked out of Egypt with all of the gold and silver and stuff that they wanted because the Egyptians just wanted them out of there. We've watched as, as, as they got to the Red Sea and they were wondering, how in the world are we going to get across this? And when they turned around, the Egyptian army was behind them and now they're all in a turmoil over. We've got the enemy behind us and an obstacle in front of us and what are we going to do? And, and, and God steps up and says, look, here's what I'm going to do. And he, he uses Moses and they part the Red Sea. The children of Israel walk across dry ground and then the children of Israel standing on the bank and they watch as God collapses the water and the Egyptian army was confused and the next thing you know, the entire Egyptian army is wiped out. And we talked about how then three days later they find themselves at Marah and uh, they find water and they're so excited for water and they rush to it and they find out that it's bitter. And they're angry and they complain to Moses and Moses goes to God and God says, look, throw a stick in the water, it'll be fine. He throws a stick in the water, all the people enjoy it. Um, then God leads them to Elam. It's a place of refreshing and spring and, and, and just encouragement with plenty of wells. And then uh, we talked about last week how the children of Israel go a, a little bit farther. And the next thing you know, they find themselves um, 
faced with the issue of, of food, and they're hungry, and they go to Moses again, and they gripe and they complain. And um, God says, look, I'll, I'll take care of them. That evening, he gives them quail. The next day, God gives them manna. And then for the next 40 years, every day, God's going to provide manna for them. And on the, on the sixth day, they're going to get twice as much so that they're provided for on the seventh day. And then uh, God continues to, to show himself every day. And so we've talked about that, and, and, and we're about now, so you understand, we're about two to three months into the journey. So uh, the, the manna situation happened about 30 days after Egypt. Now we're somewhere between 30 and 60 days. So for those of you that, that are kind of timing everything by this virus deal, uh, it's been going on about two months now. So about the same amount of time that we've been dealing with this virus thing and, and lockdowns and stuff like that. And uh, the children of Israel now have been wandering in the wilderness and now they come to a place called Rephidim in Exodus chapter 17. And, and normally I just pick and choose, but this morning I'm going to read the, the entire chapter uh, just because it, there's just really no good break to, to stop. So um, there's two main stories in this chapter. Uh, so we're going to break them up just a little bit. And um, one is Horeb and then the other is the battle with the Amalekites. So Exodus chapter 17, uh, here's what uh, the text says. <clears throat> it says, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and they said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us, our children, and livestock die of this thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, and he said, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Go, I will stand there before you uh, by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa. And I put this in parentheses just for our understanding, that means testing. And Meribah, because that means quarreling. Because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? One of the things that um, you see in this passage is this idea that uh, you would think that at this point, with the life of the children of Israel, that when they came up against things, they would, they would say, okay, we watched God provide this and this and this, and so Moses, go before God and ask him to give us water. But they don't. They, they go before Moses, and, and, and they gripe, um, and they complain, and they say, look, God, God brought us out here to kill us and the cattle and, and, and even our children. Um, we're going to die of thirst out there, and that was God's plan all along. And Moses, like any leader, steps back and goes, Lord, what am I supposed to do with these people? Um, You'd think they would get it by now, but Lord, they don't. So what are we going to do? And so God sets up a plan. And God says, look, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to take your rod, and I'm going to go before you. And, and the text is, 
is actually it's fascinating because it, it actually, in the Hebrew language, it gives us the idea that, that, that maybe even God stood between Moses and the people, um, or, or at least right next to him. And, and he said, I want you to hit the rock and water's going to come out and it's going to take care of everybody. And so that's what Moses does. So uh, that's where we have it. And then Moses looks at the people and he goes, look, from this point on, this is going to be horrible. Rephidim, he said, from this point on, this is going to be a place of testing and quarrel. That's what we're going to call it. And so he literally identifies the place now as a place that they, they tested and they quarreled and they fought against uh, God at, at this place. And then, so you would think at this point that the children of Israel are, are fine. I mean, you know, God's taking care of them once again. And then we come to the next passage in Exodus chapter 17. And here's what it says. And the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, he, they took a stone, and they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. Um, some of you may have seen the term Jehovah Nissi. That's, that's the, the deal. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What you need to understand a little bit is about the Amalekites. So let me give you a little bit of background. Um, the Amalekites were nomad people. They lived uh, in Rephidim. And as they lived there in Rephidim, what happened was they saw this army, the children of Israel, heading towards them. And so the Amalekites said, you know what, here's what's going to happen. Um, we're not going to let them pass. We're not going to let them go through our land. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to attack them. Now, it's interesting because one of the things that the Amalekites do is they attack the children of Israel, and it's an unprovoked attack. And because of that, there are consequences. And so what happens is the Amalekites, God said, so since the Amalekites took on the children of Israel, God said, here's what's going to happen. And he set up a plan for Joshua to fight the, the Amalekite. And what we see is we see this animosity between the Amalekites and the children of Israel completely play out. And the Amalekites actually, when you, when you dig into their background, what you find out is they're actually descendants of Esau. So if you go all the way back to Genesis and you have the Jacob-Esau thing, they're actually descendants from them. So there's always been this animosity anyway. And David in, um, in, in 1 Samuel actually ends up finally destroying all the Amalekites. Um, and, and they are a people no more. But what happens is in this story, um, they, they says what God says is, okay, Mo uh, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. 
Um, tomorrow you're going to go up to the hill and Joshua and the people are going to battle the Amalekites. And what I want you to do is I want you to put your hands up or with the rod in your hand. I want you to put your hands up and as long as your hands are up, Moses, you're going to win. And when you put them down, Moses, you're, you're going to lose. And so Moses goes up and this worked for a while, but you, know, you try holding your hands up in the air for 12 hours, basically. So Aaron and Hur come alongside of him, and they realize this is a big deal. This is going to take some effort on Moses' part to do this. So what Aaron and Hur do is they grab a stone. I'm going to let this uh, represent a stone. And they bring it, and they say, okay, Moses, here's what we're going to do. You're going to, you're, here's a stone, and Moses, we want you to sit down. And now, Moses, what we're going to do is we're going to come alongside of you. And so Aaron's on one side, Ur's on the other, and they hold up Moses' hands for the rest of the battle. And then what happens is, at the end of the day, as the sun starts to set, the, the Israelites have won. And they have completed the task, and the Israelites now have won the battle. And so Moses now, God now comes to Moses, and here's what he says. He says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down. Now, it's interesting because... This is the first time in Scripture that God has said to write anything down. So it's kind of the first thing that we see where God says, okay, write this down. In the past, he's told him to remember stuff, but here he actually says, I want you to write this down. And so they write down, uh, the Lord is my banner, uh, Jehovah Nissi. Now, the idea of a banner uh, in, in the Old Testament or in, in a lot of cultures, uh, often in a war, um, a, a, a standard bearer or somebody would go before them with a flag or a banner and everybody rallied around it. You see this a lot in the Civil War movies and stuff like that. And often what would happen is if the standard fell, if that fell, somebody would take as a responsibility to run and pick that up. Because that was a very important role because that basically was what, what, what the army focused on. And what God was saying was, look, <clears throat> what I want you to do is I want you to understand I'm the banner. I'm the one that you need to be centered on. I'm the one that you need to be focused on. And I don't want you to forget that. And so we see this idea of the Lord being their banner, and so it's a, it, it's a time of victory. Um, for those of you that are, that are longtime Bible students, um, there's a couple of things that I, I don't have time to talk about this morning in Exodus 17, uh, but they're fascinating studies. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you, if you want to dig some on your own this week, um, one, of them, one of the ideas is this idea of um, a rock. Uh, you, you, see the rock uh, you see the rock in two places in this story. You see, first of all, the rock that Moses strikes, and water comes forth. And then you see the, the rock that Moses sits on. Um, and, it, and it's fascinating to kind of play that, play that out. Um, another idea is the rod. Um, you see the rod, and, and again, you can follow this all the way through this story. Same thing with the rock. And you can follow this theme of rock throughout the life of the children of Israel. I mean, we're going to get ready to go to, to Sinai where, where they're written on stone tablets. Um, but this idea of the rod as well, this idea that the rod was used to part the Red Sea. It was, it was used to turn uh, water into blood. It was used 
to here to, to bring water out of a rock. And then it's used as, as a way for the banner, as a, as a, as a standard by which to, to rally around um, as a deliverer. So there's all these really cool, uh, um, you know, I've often said in Scripture, there's, Scripture's like an onion. There, 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 there's a surface layer, and then the farther you go, there's more and more layers to it. There's more and more stories within the stories. And, and this idea of the rod, this idea of water, this idea of a rock, those are some of the stories within the stories that you can kind of dig on your own and uh, kind of go down. We don't have time for that this morning. Um, so this morning, we're just going to try to pull out a couple of principles that will help us as we go throughout this week and as we go throughout trying to um, grow uh, our, in our Christian walk and, and learn more about God and more, more about His ways and, and the way that we ought to do things. So um, let's divide it up now into two sections. We're going to talk about um, the, the Horeb and, and the water thing, and then we'll talk about the battle thing. Um, so a couple of principles as we, as we dig into it. First of all, um, the principle that one of the principles I think you see in the story of water from the rock is this. You have to be very careful about questioning what God is doing. Um, that's what you see. That's the trap that you watch children of Israel fall into. Um, they sit there and say, okay, God, why are you doing this to us? Why haven't you provided water? Um, it, it's the same trap that, that Satan uses in the garden with Adam and Eve. He gets them to question God. He gets them to start focusing on the problem instead of God. That, that's the difference between Israel and Moses. Of Israel, what Israel should have done is Israel should have gone, okay, we're thirsty. Now why? Let's just stop and ask ourselves. We watch God turn water into blood. We watch God use water to destroy an entire Egyptian army. We watched God take bitter water and turn it into sweet water with simply a stick. We watched God provide wells for us at Elam. Moses would you ask God to provide us water? That's what Israel should have done. But that's not what Israel does. Israel comes and gripes and complains and says, they focus on a problem. We don't have water and it's your fault and God doesn't love us and God doesn't care about us and God's out here to destroy us. And what are you going to do about it, Moses? That's the way children of Israel respond. And, that's, and, and before you're too hard on them, we do the same thing. I mean, what's happening in America right now? We're starting to watch everybody gripe and complain about everything that's happening. Um, instead of standing back and, and looking at the blessings, instead of looking back at how God's taking care of you, instead of looking at the... We're, we're all starting to gripe and complain about this and this and that and that and this thing and that thing and that thing. And it's easy to do. And so Israel starts griping and complaining and whining to Moses. And by the way, uh, let me say this to those of you in leadership. Notice who they complain to. They complain to the leader. And often you're going to find, let me say this to leaders, if you want a fascinating study um, of leadership principles, you really need to dig into the life of Moses. Uh, because I'm telling you, there's, Moses is one of the, the greatest examples of leadership in, in the Bible, I mean, next to Christ and, and Nehemiah. I, I mean, it's phenomenal, all the principles you can pull out. But it's interesting, they gripe and complain to, to, to Moses. And what I would say to those of you in leadership is you, you know as well as I do, uh, no matter what decision you make, um, people are not going to be happy with it. Uh, when we met Wednesday night with the board, I said, let's, get, let's understand this, guys, that no matter what we decide, there are going to be people who are excited about it and there are going to be people who aren't. 
Um, we're, we're, there's no way to make everybody happy here, so we're going to have to make the best decision we can. And like I shared with them, and, and, and I'm going to continue to share with people, look, I have zero experience leading people through, leading a church through a pandemic. I have zero experience. The board has zero experience. It's not something that you can put on your resume. Yeah, I've, 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 I've led a congregation through seven pandemics. No, it's not something they teach you in school. It's not something you, you can learn from books. It's something you have to figure out as you go. And Moses is figuring this out as he goes as well. And what I would say to you in leadership is you, you make the best choices you can with the resources you have. And then you let God deal with it. And, and that's what Moses does. In fact, what's interesting in this passage, again, I don't have time to talk about it, to spend a lot of time on it. But depending on how you read the Hebrew text, one of the ideas is actually that when Moses is standing there at Horeb and he's ready to strike the rock, that God actually stands between him and the people. And it's almost the idea of Moses, they're going to have to go through me to stone you. And, and, and that's because that's Moses' complaint to God. He's like, okay, God, what do I do? Because these people are about ready to take my life. And God basically says, look, here's what I need you to do. And Moses, I will be right there with you. Literally, I will, the idea is almost, Moses, I will be between you and the people. And, and what I would say to you is if you're in a, a position of leadership that God has called you to, then here's the thing. They're really not, their beef isn't really with you, it's more with God, and God will protect and God will guide there. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it does mean that you're on the side of what God wants you to do, so you do the best that you can. And Moses says, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand before, he stands before the people, and then he strikes the rock, and water comes out, and the people are all satisfied. And then Moses goes, now, now that you're all taken care of, let's just remember this. I'm going to remember this because I'm going to call this a place, instead of, instead of Horeb, instead of Rephidim, um, we're going to name this Testing and Quarrel. Because that's what we did here. And we didn't need to be doing that here. We should have trusted God. And so I think there's a great lesson here in this idea that, look, God's resources are unlimited. And we forget that. We, I like J.B. Phillips, years and years ago, had a little book called How Big Is Your, or, uh, your God is Too Small. And, and that, the concept was this, how big is your God? How big is your God? Whatever you're up against right now, how big is your God? Because if Israel would have understood that, when they stood there at Horeb with no water, they would have gone, you know what, look, we've watched God do all kinds of stuff. This is an easy one for God. Moses, can you go before God and let him know we need water? That's all they had to do. But instead, they gripe and they grumble and they complain and they accuse God of wanting to kill him and destroy him and want to, wanting to wipe him out, which makes no sense at all. But you know what? We do a lot of the same thing as well. That's why this, added, this idea of gratitude is so important, is that we remember and we're able to, to go back over the things that God has done and the things that God has provided and the fact that, you know what, when you focus on those things, then when you get to those uh, Rephidim or Horeb kind of experiences. You go back and say, you know what? I've watched God do that. I've watched God do this. I've watched God do that. God will take care of us here. And that's why I think that is such an important principle, especially in times like we're in right now as a society. And then we have the story of uh, the Amalekites um, and, and, and the battle. And, and this, this passage is just loaded uh, with, with principles. Um, about turning to the Lord, about looking and focusing on God, about um, this idea of, I touched on it last week, about the idea that, 
that there's a, there, there are things that God does for us and there's things that God expects us to do. And, and that's what you see in this passage. Um, God expected the children of Israel to fight the Amalekites. Uh, he expected Joshua and the, and the children of Israel to go to battle against the, the, the Amalekites. Uh, he would give them the battle as long as Moses kept his hands up. So he expected Moses to hold up his hands. You know, it's a God part. God said, I'll deliver you, but there's a, there's a part of it that you need to do. And, and that's a great principle for us because I get a lot of people say, you know, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray. Well, well, there are some things that you pray about and there are some things that you pray about and God expects you to do certain things. And so you have to balance those out. You can't just go, you know, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to pray about it and God's going to take care of it all. No, there, there are certain things that you have to do on your end of it as well. Um, I often say this, God's not going to do things for you that you can do for yourself, you know, because God expects us to, just like here, God expected them to battle. God expected Moses to hold up his hand. And if Moses said, look, that's too hard, I'm not going to do it, then they were going to lose. If Joshua and the children of Israel said, you know what, we don't want to battle, we're tired, then they were going to lose. And the Amalekites, you go, well, why did God say that he was going to, here's why, they, they attacked Israel unprovoked. And, and one of the things, principles you learn from Genesis is the idea that choices have consequences. Um, and you can make whatever choice you want, but the consequences of that choice are determined by God, not by you. So in this particular case, they made the choice to attack the Israelites, and God made the choice to say, all right, because you did that, then you are going to eventually be wiped out as a people. That's the consequence of their choice. And so you have this story then, and, and what I love about this story is this. When you stop to think about it for a minute, God asked Moses to keep his hands up like this for 12 hours. Um, so this is like the ultimate survivor challenge. And, and, and they're to keep their hands up. And what happens is Aaron and her go, you know, that's just not possible to do on your own. So Moses, here's what's going to happen. We're going to come alongside and we're going to help you. So they, they grab a big rock for him to sit on. And they say, okay, Moses, <clears throat> you sit down here, and I'm going to hold up one hand, and, and Aaron or her going to hold up the other hand, and we're going to help you here so that Moses together we can win this battle. The principle here of the need for others to help you is huge, um, and, and particularly in this culture. Um, in the rural culture that, I, that, that we're in. You know, we pride ourselves a lot on being able to do it on our own. I get that. But the reality of it is, from the book, all the way back from Genesis, God never intended us to live life as, as a solo person. Uh, one of the things that he says is it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates a companion. When God creates the world, there, there's a companionship in the animals of, of pairs, and so there's a concept, there's a biblical concept from Genesis that God expects us to interconnect one with another. Um, and this is what's been so hard about this crisis, is what we have done is we have talked about the idea we need to keep people safe physically. And so there has been a great big push to keep people safe physically. And I understand the need for that because I understand it is real and it is serious. Um, and I'm not going to minimize any of that. But what has happened in our culture is we have, and we're starting to see it now, we have so focused on the physical side of safety 
that we have not addressed the other parts of humanity, the social, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational side of being a human being. And we're starting now to see the effects of this social distancing thing on people. And we're starting to start to see, we're starting to see that all of a sudden now, People are, they might be healthy physically or say physically, but emotionally, uh, mentally, um, socially, relationally. All of a sudden now we're starting to see suicide rates are increasing, depression rates are increasing, domestic violence is increasing. Um, we're starting uh, to see alcoholism uh, is on the rise again. All of a sudden now, all of these unhealthy things that come with people trying to um, not deal with their emotions because they've been isolated, and we know. I mean, when a child's born, one of the first things we want it to do is to have it, is that child to have contact with the mother and the father, and the more physical contact, the better. And we know that when we want to punish a criminal, we, we put them in isolation. And so there's a, there, there's, a, there's a toll that comes with that. And so as we met with, uh, as a board, one of the things that we talked about is we want to keep people safe physically, but we've got to start to deal with this other aspect of humanity as well. And we have to start working with it that way. And part of that is that social connectedness. And you go, well, you know, I've been able to be socially connected. Let me just tell you this, okay? FaceTiming your grandchildren is not the same as being with your grandchildren. And you know that. FaceTiming your friends is not the same as being with your friends. So we want to try to make an effort to be able to start to connect so that we can support and we can encourage one another. And my challenge to you would be this. My challenge to you would be to find a place that you can support and encourage somebody else. See, it's easy when you read this story to focus on Moses and go, oh, Moses is a hero because he kept his hands up for 12 hours. Or to focus on Joshua and the, and, and, and the men, that, women that were battling with him and go, you know, well, you know, it's because they battled. No, no it's because everybody was doing their part. You have Joshua battling, you have children of Israel battling, you have Moses holding up his hand, you have Aaron and Ur coming alongside of him and helping him hold up his hand. You have all of these players involved. Everybody's doing their own little part. You can't say, one, so, so what happens if we take Ur out of the picture? Or if we take Aaron out of the picture? Or we take Joshua out of the picture? Or we take Moses out of the picture? Or we take the people fighting out of the picture? Well, then the, then, then the end of the story changes. And this is what I would say to you. It is important that we realize that when something's going on, and it's easy to make this comparison to spiritual battle, but when something is going on, there are a whole lot of players behind the scenes that are just as important as the main players of the story. Um, and I think that's an important lesson for us. I mean, you know, look, uh, and, and again, I... When I, when I try to convey this, sometimes it doesn't come across right, so I, I'm hesitant, but yet I want you to understand this. I've had people write me, um, email me, call me, uh, send notes and things like that, encourage me and say, hey, thanks for the job you're doing, blah, 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 and, and, and I love that. I'm not minimizing that at all. But the real heroes of us being able to do this are the people that you don't think about. The real heroes of this thing, probably one of the um, you know, there's just so many different people that have jumped in to make happen what you're seeing this morning. I mean, you're sitting here this morning going, oh, Pastor, that was a great message. What you don't realize is all of the people that were involved to make something like this happen for you to be able to see. 
the Aaron and the Urs and the people that are fighting and the Joshua's and everybody else. Because there's a whole big group of people. There's, a, there, there's Juanita who's been coming up and playing music so that we can record it. You know, there's, there's, there, there's uh, Joshua who, when this whole thing started, we sat down and went, look, our computer can't process it fast enough. Went out and researched it then and said, well, the computer that we need, it's going to be too expensive, but I can build one. So he stopped and he took time to build us a computer that will handle the video processing stuff that you're able to see. Guys that came in and said, hey, look, we'll build you a platform so that the video thing is, is better. And so we, we had guys come up and, you know, you know Jesse and Lynn and Lael and others who came up and, and helped us build the thing. And then people who came up and stained it so that, so that it looks nice when you finally get to come back in here. And then when people started talking about, well, you know, our wall is kind of plain. We had a whole crew that showed up to put up a wall <laughs> so that you get to look at something different other than just a blank wall in me. And then we have... You know, I mean, one of the heroes, the unsung heroes, I think, of this whole thing, when it's all said and done, is Cooper, who, you know, we threw this kid into this role and said, can you do this? And he goes, I don't have any experience doing this. And the next thing you know, he's been running the camera now, you know. And, and if you don't think it's hard, it's like, you know, we basically threw him behind a camera and then said, follow the rabbit. And he's got to try to keep up with it. And if you don't think, even Josh, Josh did it one week and he's like, you are the hardest person in the world to try to follow. But it's, it's the people behind the scenes that have made it happen. And, 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 you know, again, I could go on and on and on. Ladies who have made mass and, and done this and people who have contributed that and, and people who've been praying for us the entire time. I got a call this week. Somebody was reading Exodus 17 and said, Pastor, look, I just want you to know, and I knew this, but they said, I just want you to know, my wife and I pray for you every day. We're lifting up your hands. We're behind you 100%. It's people who have financially made a commitment to us through this thing. And we just, from the very beginning, we said, you know, we're not going to do the money thing online. And, you know, we'll have it on a website. We've always had it for our people. But we're not going to do the, the, the asking and, and all that kind of thing. We're just going to trust God. And I've watched people step up to the plate and, and give sacrificially and, and do. It's all of that that has happened behind the scene. It's everybody working together. And, and I want to challenge you because you sit there and you go, well, you know, I'm just not, you know, I don't have that much talent. I don't have that much ability. You know. Look, you can find a place for God to use you. You can find your little part. Is it, are you the Moses one? No, maybe not. Or the Joshua? No. But you can be the person fighting on the front line or you can be the person making the meals for the people who are battling or you can do, again, there's just so many roles and, and it's important that we realize it. And one of the things that happens often is we minimize the idea or we try to handle it on our own. And so it is so important that you have somebody in your corner that can help you, that can pray with you, that can encourage you. And I think that's been one of the hardest parts of this is we had people who came in here every week and, and they would encourage other people or, or, or they would share with them what they're going through and other people would encourage them. And, and now because of the way this thing has happened, that's been pulled away from them. And so they've had to find other ways, and the other ways are okay, but they're just not as effective. So we're really looking forward to the opportunity we get back together and we can start doing that again and, and, and encouraging and building each other up and, and connecting again. And I understand, you know, in some cases, you, you know, like our missionaries, our missionaries have to do it from a distance. Um, 
And hopefully that helps you understand a little bit of their world. But, you know, when they get the opportunity, they take advantage of being able to do it um, personally, one-on-one, in, in, in the context of group. And I would just challenge you, because some of you are handling stuff on your own. That, uh, honestly, you, you need to reach out. I mean, you know, Moses could have looked at Aaron and her and go, no, 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 I don't need your help holding up my hand. I'm, I, I, I'll do it for 12 hours. No, Moses had enough humility to go, hey, yeah, guys, I'll take the help. And some of you need to be that way. You need to step out and go, you know what, I'll take the help. Um, I'll ask somebody else to pray for me, to encourage me, to help me, to guide me, to get, give me some, some direction here. I'll share my journey with somebody else. And, and that's an important lesson here. The last lesson is this. At the end, they, they, they put up a banner. Um, they say, the Lord is my banner. They basically kind of write it down and they, they, they make a, a statement in which they say, you know what? We don't want to forget this. We don't want to forget that the Lord delivered us from the Amalekites. We don't want to forget that the Lord is our focus, the Lord, the one that we're all about. And one of my challenges to you is this, and, and I shared this with the board uh, Wednesday night, is, uh, you know, it's important for us to step back and try to see what God is doing in here and what direction God wants us to go and how God wants us to go forward. And there's some things about this that, that are really good. There's some great things that have come out of it. And we need to step back and say, okay, what were the things that God taught us during this? What were the things that we need to carry forward? And I would challenge you as, you, as we're starting to get more out, out there socially and things like that, I would challenge you to take the time and look back over the last two months and ask yourself this. If you had to answer the question, the Lord is my blank, what would you say? Israel came to this and said, you know what? The one thing that we've learned out of this whole thing is the Lord is my banner. He's the one that we're going to rally around. God said, that's what I want you to remember. And my challenge to you would be in, the, in light of the last couple of months, if you had to answer that question, the Lord is my blank. What has God taught you explicitly over the last two months that just comes to the forefront? And as, I, as I worked on this passage this week, I started thinking, what about for me? What, what would I say? And I have to look back on it. And, and as I look back over the last two months, one of the things that, and again, with my background in, in speech and, and, and things like that, um, having been in plays and things like that and, and directed plays, I guess for me, what I would say is the Lord's been my director. The Lord has kind of directed me through this whole thing. And like I say, I've never done anything like this. No, none, none of my pastor friends have. But I have watched God direct. And I look back and I go back even before this thing started. This series that we're in the middle of, that was decided back in December. And I'm looking at it going, Lord, I had no idea. When we started this series, when I, when I, when I sat down and said, I think we're, let's study the book, The Life of Moses, that, we, that it, would, it would be as applicable as it is right now. I had no idea when we, we, we picked out a small group study called Being Anxious for Nothing, that right in the middle of that study, after we had laid some groundwork in our lives, we would be faced with what we're faced with. I had no idea. I had no clue whatsoever, but I have watched God do this whole thing, direct this step and that step and this step and that step. And I step back and I go, wow, God, you have incredibly directed and your thumbprints and your fingerprints are all over this stuff. And I am so grateful that you have been my director, that you have directed the way you have directed. 
And as I often pray, Lord, don't let me get in front of you. Don't let me get behind you. But let me walk side by side on what you want. And I've been able to see God do that. And I just want to challenge you. If you were to ask that question this morning, the Lord has been my what through the last two months? What would that answer be? Because God at the point of this, and it's the first time God, by the way, it's interesting. It's the first time God ever says to write anything down. It's the first mention of it in the Bible where God says, okay, guys, I don't want you to forget this, so write this down. And my question would be, as, as you look over the last two months, if you had to write down, the Lord has been your what, what would that blank be? Don't forget it. God has allowed you to go through this. God has allowed you to experience this to draw you closer to him and closer to one another. But if you don't learn something through it, if all you've come out is frustrated and angry and mad and bitter and, and all that, kind of, then, then you're missing the point. And God said, Moses said, the Lord's our banner here. Let's make sure we get this right. And so for my, my challenge to you this week is to really think about this idea. As you look back over it, the Lord has been your what through the last two months? And don't forget it, because there's plenty of journey ahead, Lord willing. So as we come to the end of our time this morning, um, I, I, I always end it with, with, with a challenge. So here it is. God has unlimited resources, and we have to be very careful questioning his ways. He has the ability to do the impossible. We have to learn to support, encourage, and help one another in our journey together. Every one of us has a role to play, and that role impacts other people. God is to be our banner. He's the one that we center our lives on this week. So serve him as you serve others this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Thank you. Lord, we don't want to make the mistakes that Israel made. Lord, we want to learn from their failures so that we can serve you better. So, Lord, help us this week. Lord, when there comes a tendency to gripe and grumble and complain, help us to focus on what you have done and what you've provided. Lord, when we come up against obstacles and battles and enemies and struggles, Lord, may we turn to you. May we turn to others who can help us as we walk together through some difficult roads that we have in front of us. And Lord, when it is all said and done, may we grow together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, may the world see Christ as they watch us. And Lord, when it is all said and done, may you be honored, glorified, and exalted in our lives and um, use us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, uh, that uh, ends our time. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to uh, you joining us again, Lord willing. And uh, in a couple of weeks, if you can do it here with us uh, safely, we want to encourage you to do that. And if not, we want to encourage you to keep following us online. And um, let's be the people that God has designed for us to be this week. And uh, let him use us in whatever way he sees fit. So Lord bless you. Have a great week.